0: I'm here with some very special guests, the Copley String Quartet, comprised of members of Boston's Handel and Haydn Society. So welcome, all of you. Thank you very much for coming in. And let me ask you, Susanna, to speak first and ask you about the Handel and Haydn Society, which a lot of our listeners has probably heard of before because we've played recordings of the society, but they may not realize the distinguished history of the group.
1: Yes, uh, the Hanlon Haydn Society, we're actually um, celebrating our 200th anniversary this year. It's our bicentennial season. And um, we're, a, we're the oldest performing arts organization in the United States, which is sort of an interesting fact about us. Um, we're currently a period instrument ensemble and chorus, um, meaning that we play on instruments uh, from the time of the Baroque period through Classical period or, um, replicas of instruments from that time.
0: And how, what's the difference for a listener hearing uh, the instruments that you play with the Handel and Haydn Society?
1: Well, I think we play on gut strings as opposed to steel strings, which definitely has a different color of sound. Um, we don't, uh, our bows are a bit different than a modern, what you'd find on a modern bow. All, all this makes a much, I think. Completely different color palette than you'd find um, with the modern instruments.
0: That's Susanna Ogata, uh, one of the violinists of the Copley String Quartet, and they're here in the John Clark Performance Studio at WDAV to uh, give us a little bit of a preview of a concert that they're performing later today at the Beckler Museum of Modern Art in Charlotte. It's part of the museum's Music and Museum series, and uh, it'll feature in part uh, or in in its entirety uh, a string quartet by Haydn, which we're going to hear a part of right now. Uh, We're going to hear the minuet and press. Uh, who wants to tell me a little bit about this Haydn and, and what we should listen for here?
2: Guy? Thanks. Well, uh, Haydn uh, is said to have fathered two very familiar forms, the symphony and the string quartet. It's dubious whether he fathered the symphony. There are some symphonies written before, but the string quartet, he really uh, did more than anyone to um, solidify as a, as a viable. And what became the most sort of uh philosophical of musical forms in the late 18th century. And uh, this string quartet is one of the very last ones he wrote, uh, by which point he was the undisputed master of this form, a very difficult form. Uh, In fact, uh, Mozart, a good friend of Haydn, uh, wrote six quartets that he dedicated to Haydn. We think of Mozart as this precocious genius, which he was, but he told Haydn, these are the most difficult pieces I've ever had to write. I've never worked harder on anything than these things. So string quartet's a really massive challenge for a composer, Haydn, undisputed master. Uh, And we're playing you uh, the minuet. The minuet is a dance form, which would have been very familiar to uh, anyone listening to this string quartet in the late uh, 1700s. And Haydn, uh, also very well known uh, as being very witty uh, sometimes funny, uh, not ha-ha funny, but kind of like, you know, interesting funny uh, and takes a very familiar form and, first of all, marks it presto, which is undanceable, you cannot dance to it, um, and plays around with the familiar beats, of course, dance music is uh, relies very heavily on where the beats are, so you know where to put your feet, uh, and he likes to mess around with that familiar pattern and give you a, um, a very uh, off-kilter minuet and um, It's a just a very joyous and uplifting movement.
0: That's cellist Guy Fishman of the Copley String Quartet, and we're gonna hear them now here in the John Clark Performance Studio at WDAV performing the minuet and presto of the Haydn String Quartet in F major Opus seventy seven number two. Yes, lovely and i can definitely hear some of that droll wit you were talking about in the minuet that is the second movement minuet marked presto Manantropo, and trio from franz joseph haydn's string quartet in f major opus 77 number 2 and you heard it here in the john clark performance studio at wdav performed by the copley string quartet They are comprised of members of the Boston Handel and Haydn Society, a venerable organization celebrating its bicentennial this year, and they're here to perform at the Beckler Music and Museum uh, Concert Series. They'll have performances at noon and 6 p.m. today. So nice to have you folks here uh, to perform for us here at WDAV. Uh, Let me ask you to talk a little bit about this string quartet. You're part of a larger ensemble, so how does this this quartet work into uh, the work of the Handel and Haydn Society? Guy, can you talk about that?
2: Well, uh, we all perform regularly with our orchestra at Handel Heinz Society, and we uh, play together in various ensembles, uh, some uh, pulled out of the orchestra for various occasions. One of the um, uh, uh, exciting things about an uh, early music ensemble uh, with a repertoire that goes from, uh, Before the 1650s, all the way up until Beethoven, Schubert, and Mendelssohn, is that uh, you, uh, in in a regular subscription season, you will uh, encounter various uh, sizes of ensemble from trio sonatas, which involve two violins, a cello, and a harpsichord, to um, full oratorios, orchestras, and choruses. Uh, So, pulling a string quartet out of this ensemble is, in a, a way, a very natural progression of things. We happen to be friends and know each other and have a a love for this uh repertoire so coming together wasn't a a difficult choice and we play with each other in other places so we feel like we know each other um and it makes for a very uh nice uh working uh environment for the four of us i think and this is of course uh just the best repertoire ever so uh you know uh, it's just something we wanted to do, and um, happy to be able to do it.
0: Now, earlier when we were talking about how uh, your instruments might be different from some of the uh, instruments that listeners might be used to seeing in a contemporary orchestra, you talked about the strings. Now, one thing I have the benefit of noticing, because I'm here in the studio with you, is how you were holding your cello uh,
2: between my legs. Yes, exactly. Usually,
0: it's on what, for lack of a better term, since I'm not a musician, I call a kickstand of okay. sorts. <laughs> you might as well. Yeah, it's an end pin,
2: um, and there's uh, there are various accounts of when end pins uh, were used. Uh, certainly, if you needed one, then you had one made, but they weren't standardized until the 20th century. It's a it's a standard uh, standard issue. Uh, Piece of equipment on, on any modern cello, uh, and it, the the end pin does some wonderful things. It it stabilizes the instrument. It takes stress away from your legs. It helps uh, less of the body of the instrument is uh, uh, in contact with your body, so there's more resonance in a, in a sense. Um, but uh, part of the reason we do all this is that you know, uh, forgive me for being lofty for a second. <laughs> I think we we all can agree that the the highest calling for any musician is to try to communicate what he or she believes. The intention of the composer was. And we think that um, at the moment of creation, you know the composer had certain sounds in his or her ears, and uh, retrieving the the instruments as well as the performance practices that existed around the composer, in as much as we can ascertain what those are, has tremendous value for us. So I'm very happy to uh, mute my cello just a little bit if I know that this is how my cello was made in 1704, so it was alive when Bach was writing his suites and certainly when Haydn was writing his quartets. And so to know that the cellos that Haydn knew uh, played for him in this manner gives me uh, a sense of purpose and adds to, to uh, what I, how I formulate what I think his intention was beyond the text, and I think we can. And there are there are um, elements of the violins and viola here that are also uh, somewhat obscured by time, that have have changed. Uh, steel strings being one, the bows certainly are different, um, uh, and certain fittings that make it more comfortable to play. And we take away, uh, and you know, you might very rightly wonder why, but. We just feel some, a sense of closeness, of intimacy to the, to the moment when the music was composed. Uh, beyond that, we do what every string quartet does, um, which is try to figure out what this is this supposed to sound like and try to play well together and, and give you an enjoyable performance. So It's not a museum piece. Um, of course, we'll be playing in a museum today, <laughs> so we're very happy to do that. But uh, we, we try to make it alive by being ourselves. The only authentic thing you can do is be you. But the instruments bring you one step closer. And it's just a different, um, a lot of people have commented on this music, uh, amazing string quartets that we all look up to that didn't use these instruments, um, that had something to say. And that's what we tried to do except with this sound world it brings us closer to Haydn and Mozart.
0: And speaking as a listener, I think you can really hear the new life that it breathes into these familiar pieces, hearing it performed uh, not only on instruments that are of the period, but also using the performance practices and and the discipline that you've uh, developed for approaching this music. So uh, as one listener, I definitely appreciate that. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the Mozart that you're going to be playing uh, next, and that's part of the program at the Beckler Museum of Modern Art later today. We're going to hear the opening movement of the string quartet in D major, uh, K. Listing 575.
2: The, this Mozart belongs to a group of three quartets that he wrote for uh, Friedrich Wilhelm, who was king of Prussia and was a cellist. Um, and whether the king played these or not is unknowable, but they are, uh, they, Include parts for the cello that are um, more virtuosic than some of the other music being written at the same time. Uh, so it's fitting that I should say something about <laughs> it. Um, this is again later Mozart, um, and it finds the, the composer after he had written those music, those six quartets for Haydn. Uh, again, masterful, beautifully written, uh, very different from Haydn. They're two different people uh, with different dispositions, uh, and just. Um, a, a gl- sunny uh, and and optimistic piece, I find. Uh, and all, all three of them, there were supposed to be six, uh, and Mozart never finished the set. Um, but the feature for cellists and for non-cellists is the fact that, that the cello kind of rises from its accompanimental role, uh, which I love, and um, takes on some more melodic moments, um, which are passed around the quartet very equally. It's just a glorious piece.
0: Wonderful. Well, let's listen now. you. chamber music with all the charm and grace and ingenuity we usually associate with Mozart. That's the opening movement of the String Quartet in D major, Kirscher Listing 575, and you heard it played by the Copley String Quartet, Uh, Susanna Ogata and Alicia Silverstein violins, Jenny Sterling viola, and cellist Guy Fishman. The Copley String Quartet, an ensemble comprised of members of the Boston Handel and Haydn Society. They'll be performing today at noon and 6 p.m. at the Beckler Museum of Modern Art in Charlotte as part of the Music and Museum Series, a wonderful way to enjoy some intimate chamber music in one of the galleries of the museum, and then stick around and enjoy some of the artwork in the museum, too. Thank you, everyone, for coming to the John Clark Performance Studio. It was really wonderful having you here today.
1: Thank you
3: for having us.